Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Well, you guys, I got to tell you, you are going to get pumped up after this episode, especially if you are an elk hunter or enjoy uh, just being in the elk woods and hearing harvest stories of elk here. This is a story from Paisley Wartman. She's out of uh, Grants Pass, Oregon. And her and I were able to connect this year in a camp of mine. So she came to the first event I did of the year, which was Archery 1.0. It was a a beginner camp for women who already have a bow, but wanted to just kind of learn a little bit more, solidify their skills, learn how to really take control of their shot process and also learn and grow with their bow. So learning the components and how to sight in and how to move, um, you know, different things around in your bow to achieve achieve an end result, um, of being more confident in your shot. So she came to that and it was really a blast because she came in and unbeknownst to her or several of the other ladies, they all came in from Grant's Pass. So there was four of them that were practically neighbors back home and came to this camp really looking to build their skills and also just connect with other women. And it's really cool because you'll hear us reference these camps quite a bit. Uh, then she came back to 2.0. So building on her skills some more when it comes to archery and she wanted to increase her draw weight, become more confident in her shot and uh, really fine tune her ethics when it came to what she was capable and confident, which you will hear in this episode. She definitely did. She also came back for uh, one of my third events of the year for a backcountry experience camp uh, again with some of the other ladies from the other camps. And it's so much fun when we talk about this and And really for me, sitting from the outside, looking in, seeing her joy, listening to her story and just watching her light up when she talks about not only her success this year, but just her newfound friendships and listening to these ladies plan outings together, go camping, go hiking, meet up to go hunt is honestly just like a full circle moment for me. So I think it's a really cool story. Just listening to how this unfolded over the last, you know, six or seven months for her and the success that her and her boyfriend, Tyler found in the field. She's just an incredible young woman. Um, she is originally from Southeast Alaska, which you will hear us talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, she was from Prince of Wales Island in a place called Craig, definitely a place I want to look up. These remote little spots of Alaska are winning my heart all of the time. We also talk about what building confidence looked like from her. And it's an interesting perspective because you would think from somebody coming from a place as wild as Southeast Alaska, she would have a lot of outdoor confidence, which she does. But after she moved to Oregon, she kind of walks us through how that changed because of her surroundings and the people that she would encounter outdoors in Oregon versus Alaska were very different, as well as some of the predators that we have here, as opposed to Alaska, 
was a big change for her and something that she had to kind of reinvestigate for herself what that looked like. Um, and she talks to us again about just kind of coming through this valley where she felt pretty, you know, unsure of where she was going. She was kind of losing some of her passion and what she's done to really invest in herself, her growth, her learning and her confidence. Um, it's just a really, really cool story. Um, and then towards the end of this episode, you get to hear her talk about her very first archery bull elk uh, kill. And it's just really, really neat to hear her perspective as somebody who's so new, both to bow hunting, but also to, um, organ, you know, just, just learning a new species, learning a new weapon, um, and just kind of hearing how this all unfolded for her, I think will certainly inspire those who might be, especially in the beginning stages and maybe feeling a little overwhelmed with what to do, where to start or how to really find success. You know, maybe you have some of the pieces now as far as shooting your bow or shooting your weapon, but you want to get in the field and make things happen. I think this will be a really, really fun episode for you. Um, and she's just somebody who honestly listening to her talk just puts a smile on my face. So jump in. I think this will be a great episode. I have no doubt you'll want to come to Oregon and go elk hunting after you listen into the show. Are you ready to join us on the experience of a lifetime? Pack your bags and get ready for this bucket list adventure in Sitka, Alaska. You show up and we'll take care of the rest. This seven-day, all-inclusive vacation will have you fishing world-class water, hiking some of the most beautiful parts of Alaska, and kayaking through cascading mountains. Wake up and watch the whales from our luxurious home in the glow of the sunrise. Soak in this experience with a small group of passionate outdoor women and your private guides. Plan for fun-filled adventure by day and relaxing in the evenings in our stunning house hidden on our private beach. Register by November 18th, and not only will you save $500 on your dream vacation booking, but we'll also donate $500 to a fellow outdoor junkie, Christine Capan, as she's in the fight of her life with stage four metastatic breast cancer. Go to heroutdoorjourney.com forward slash Alaska for more details on the trip and how your Alaska bucket list adventure can help this incredible woman beat cancer. That's www.heroutdoorjourney.com forward slash Alaska. Today's episode is also brought to you by Maven Optics. If you haven't checked out Maven yet, you're missing out. Maven offers award-winning optics sold direct with no middleman and no retail markup. Head to mavenbuilt.com to check out their products from rangefinders with 450 yard capabilities to introductory binoculars and their award-winning scopes. Use the code soulsummit-gift to get a little something extra just for listening to the podcast. That's mavenbuilt.com. Sawyer's line of water filtration products offers clean water solutions for any situation. From adventures in your favorite spot to traveling through remote quarters of the world, Sawyer set the standard for water filtration. These long-lasting, high-performance water filters start at just two ounces, which means you don't have to sacrifice weight in your pack on your off-grid outings. Head to Sawyer.com to see their full lineup of products or visit your local Bass Pro, Cabela's, REI, Shields, or Sportsman's Warehouse. Don't have a store close to you? You can find them on Amazon or locate a store near you by heading to Sawyer.com. 
All right. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Summit podcast. Uh, Pretty excited to have you on um, talking to Paisley Wortman. She is down in Grants Pass and a total badass. She is originally from Southeast Alaska. Uh, Now she is an Oregon resident, as am I. And uh, you and I got to cross paths this summer uh, at my archery events in uh down in my property and it's just been a pleasure to uh to get to know you and to watch your confidence build and welcome to the show thank you i'm so excited so give us this kind of high level view of you know where you were raised and kind of what look life looked like for you uh and what it looks like for you now um yeah so like you said in the intro i'm from southeast alaska so I'm specifically from a small town, but a big island. The island is Prince of Wales, and the town is Craig, Alaska. So um, for anybody listening, if you don't know where that is, look it up, because most people don't know initially where that is. Um, But it is quite literally, I think, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, And I just was born and raised there, Um, grew up hunting and fishing. My dad was a commercial fisherman, and so I get to go back in the summers and do that as well, which is really awesome. And I came to Oregon back in 2015 now. Um, And then, you know, a few years back, I got with my boyfriend who I have and live here now in Grants Pass with. Um, And in the last couple of years, just really kind of rekindled my love and passion for the outdoors. Um, there was kind of a little bit of a hindrance on that when I first moved to Oregon, but, um, just kind of went full force. And then especially after getting involved in like the camps and making more connections this year, we just have gone all back in and it's been great to just have this side of me back out again. Totally. Yeah. I can see your confidence and I can feel that vibe from you. It's a good one. It's a good one, but I really want to dive into a little bit of kind of that, that void that you had. And and when you like pulled yourself out of that kind of hunting realm, um, you know, I'll let you speak, but there's, there's definitely some questions that I want to ask you in this comparison of like, what, what does it look like to grow up hunting and being outdoorsy in a place like Alaska, in a place like Prince of Wales, and then coming here to Oregon? And how has that been different for you? Yeah, so I mean, I was definitely exposed to it as a kid. Again, you know, grew up hunting and fishing. And then I would say like, you know, middle school, high school age me, um, I was still very active, like in the outdoors, um, as far as hunting, specifically, and I was never super into sport fishing, always more the commercial side of things. Um, but definitely just came away from that in Alaska, especially Prince of Wales is just so pristine and just so wild and it's considered rural. And so, you know, there aren't, my town growing up was like 1100 people. I think the total population on the Island is like under 5,000, you know, it's small, but also the third largest Island in the United States. So, um, it's just huge and just so much room for adventure and was never scared of anything. That's something um, like recently I acquired a pistol and I'm going through all of that stuff. But like growing up, I was never afraid of anything out there, never afraid of anybody that I was going to come across because it was, you know, my teachers and friends that I would. Um, So when I moved to Oregon in 2015, uh, I moved down to Klamath Falls. I was going to Oregon Tech for school and just was instantly... I mean, it wasn't necessarily like a big culture shock, but just different. I mean, different state, completely different environment. I come from a coastal community. Now I'm in the high desert, which was not my jam at all. Um, cougars were a thing. I, cougars are not a thing on Prince of Wales. Um, 
And then people, so many people and quite literally like feral people. Um, And so that was the big hindrance for a while. I would still go do a little bit of hiking and stuff, but um, I know like specifically right out of the gate when I was going to college and I was living on campus, there was like a cougar sighting on campus. And I'm just like, this is uncharted territory. I don't know what I'm messing with. All I know is that kites or cats can get like super dicey and sketchy. And so I can't imagine one that's like 200 pounds. So, and then also not having any means of defending myself other than my bare hands and hoping to be able to run away. Uh, So that was definitely something that hindered on myself, just kind of shying away from getting as deep into the outdoors as I used to be. So... I mean, what does that look like to like rebuild your confidence? It sounds like because you came from having this really, you know, solid sense of, you know, being able to go out and navigate and hunt and do those things with confidence. And then you kind of almost were kind of beaten back a few levels. Like, how did you rebuild that? Um, one, I mean, really just like connecting really like this year was very much so like the catalyst into gaining that confidence back a lot. Um, I know right before I got with my boyfriend, Tyler, now, um, I would go do like a little, some camping trips by myself and my dog. Like it was always there. Um, but just still was like so fearful and like always just like so much fear, like in the back of my mind. And so this last year especially helped a lot really through like the camps that you have offered and like just connecting with so many other women that share the same desires, the same fears, the same, you know, hurdles that they're trying to leap over as well. Um, And then we've all been able to just like really be like, yeah, like we've all got this, like I'm cheering for you. And that has really been a big help and just like lighting that fire and knowing I'm not the only one. And then as well as, um, you know, like I said, I recently got a pistol. I'm going through all the steps to be more literate with that, more confident with that. Um, And then also about three or four years ago, I was definitely in like the worst shape of my life. And so the last couple of years since COVID, I really used COVID as a way to get back into my health. Um, And so being in a much healthier body is just, it really does make all the difference out there and with your confidence and just physical abilities. Yeah, definitely. Some, some really good points talking about having community, feeling supported, building your confidence, working on your health, um, you know, carrying a sidearm and and like you said, being capable and understanding how to operate that in a way that would help you save your life if, if need be. Um, but one of the things I have to kind of touch back on was the camp that you came to the first one this year, archery 1.0, and you walked in and (laughs) And, you know, we had, I can't remember how many women we had at that camp, but there was a handful mm-hmm. and there were several other women from very close to where you live <laughs> that little to like, you guys had no knowledge of this, but you guys all kind of came in and I have watched your guys' relationship flourish since then. And actually you and I were on the phone the other day and you said that you had just went and had dinner, like a family dinner with like all the kids mm-hmm. and everything. And it just like... I like just sat back for a second and I'm like, that's why I do what I do because much like you, you know, I grew up as kind of like the only girl doing the thing, you know, and for you not having a ton of people around, it's just like, it's a small little group. Right. And once you start feeling like there are other women who 
love what you do and love what you love as well, you're like, we just became best friends. (laughs) You know, it's nice to have partners in crime. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just talking to um, one of the girls uh, on my walk like two hours ago and we're like, we need to get together soon. And um, yeah, that was absolutely wild showing up at camp and everyone's setting up their tents. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I just drove from Grants Pass. I just drove from Grants Pass. I'm just like, wait, where have you guys been the last three years? That's when I moved to Grants Pass was right before the whole COVID explosion. And so um, making friends in a new town um, was definitely, and then also as an adult, I don't know. I think I'm not alone when I say making friends as an adult is way different than making friends when you're like in second grade. Um, so yeah, it's was really crazy that they were brought into my life by going to camp. It's almost kind of like dating when you're older, though, because you're like, I'm not here, like, no BS, like, I need this, this, and this, (laughs) like, yeah, it's it's like speed dating for sure. But no, I really do. And and I said this in the intro, but watching your confidence has been really cool because, you know, again, you kind of seem to tiptoe in like most of the women do that come to a camp or an event for the first time. But you were a little bit different. You had like... (laughs) you had this like methodical, like I could tell that the the wheels were always spinning with you. You know, if I'd be talking or instructing, or if you guys would be applying skills, I could just see you trying to put it all together. And, and a lot of women do, they really do come and try to do their best and try to learn the most that they can and all these things. But you seemed a little bit different to me because it's almost like you just had a couple pieces that weren't quite meshing together for you to kind of build the confidence in yourself specifically in your archery and holy shit girl it looks like it definitely paid off for you this year so kind of walk us through what those confidence building pieces were and then how you translated from you know all of the effort that you put in pre-season into your in-season success okay um excuse me yeah i guess i should also include that archery was totally new to me just a couple years ago um, <clears throat> excuse me, my boyfriend, so he archery hunted, he grew up, I grew up rifle hunting as well. And that's what my dad does. Um, and archery is kind of starting to, I can see gain some traction back home, but like growing up, obviously I knew what archery was, I did a little bit of it in PE and stuff like that, but not a big population archery hunted by all means when I was growing up. So um, when I got together with my boyfriend, Tyler, back in 2019, my Christmas present was a, um, he got a secondhand bow for me because I had expressed interest in wanting to learn. Um, So that was my gift that year. Uh, So he got me a carbon rose. It was, it maxed out at 40. So we knew that it was definitely going to be a beginner's bow. We didn't even know, like, I mean, I was strong enough, but we were like, we don't even know what I can pull back. So we got the secondhand bow. Um and started there. Um, and so I was practicing, picked it up kind of quickly, um, and just really enjoyed it. And then kind of got set back. Um, just, there was like a little bit of influence around, I guess, in the air and in the area. And I was just like, I don't know if this is for me really so much, um, just as far as like the bow hunting side of things. And so I kind of just like it fizzled out a little bit and then I wanted to pick it back up in 2021 and I got in a car accident. And so that really set me back a little bit, just dealing with all of that stuff. And then going into the new year of 2022, I was like, you know what? I want to pick my bow back up. I really want to take this seriously and learn. 
And then it was around that time that I think um, I'd been following you on social media and you were going to be like releasing the women's camp soon. And um, so went into all of that. Um, So I was pretty fresh, I guess, considering uh, going into this year. Um, But, you know, did a little did what I could going into camp and just was very nervous. Um, I remember just saying, like, I, I think like other women, I don't think I ever got to the point where I was going to just completely pull out of camp. But I definitely remember like the whole drive up just being like, what if nobody likes me? What if everybody's mean? Like, what if everybody is friends? Um, What if I just totally suck and like, don't remember anything and act stupid, like all the things. Um, And then it was totally not that kind of experience at all, uh, which was (laughs) really good. Um, And then yeah, just was able to really solidify and, you know, fine tune some of the skills. And again, just network with all the women. And I think especially with um, Archery Camp 101, I think it's safe to say like that was such a special group, but there was so much like so many incredible women that had walked some serious, you know, walked through some serious valleys. Um, And I know I can say I was one of them that was just coming out of kind of a difficult season, just like a big emotional release at camp that I think really helped um, me personally, like I said, just kind of coming out of a rougher season. And I kind of feel like it, a lot of women needed that. Um, And then that also just like that release, I almost, you could be like, was ignition to just like this fire that then brought me back for 2.0 and then brought me back for backpacking and then um led to what transpired the rest of the season so far yeah you know it's cool that you talk about that emotional release because it's it's and every camp is different you know this will be my fifth year and i have no doubt that every one of these camps that i do in the future will be great in its own way sometimes i get a group of women who you know, need that emotional release and need to feel heard and connected with other women. And sometimes you get a group that's like, we're here to have fun and learn and grow (laughs) and connect and make new friendships and let their hair down a little bit. And you've seen that because you went from 1.0 to (laughs) 2.0 and they were, you know, drastically different, um, both in weather and in vibe. And then, you know, the back uh, packing experience too is just, they're always different. And that's what I love so much about it is because you kind of get what you need. You know, you can come in and like your original group was a bunch of women who were walking through, just like you said, these big valleys. And so many of us just needed to feel that connection like, hey, I'm I'm in good company here. And these other women have experienced similar things. How do you feel like hearing those stories from other women was kind of uplifting or kind of helped you in that situation? Yeah, I know. um, Specifically, I guess I remember it was really incredible. Like we mentioned, you know, met, I I don't know, should I say names? Christy, Gretchen and Tara. They're amazing women. They're out there. Um, We love them. But, uh, you know, met them at Archery 1.0 and then was able to carpool with Christy up. Um, And then we were able to, you know, carpool to and from camp to the shooting range where we were doing the 3D shoot during that 2.0 camp. And I specifically remember, um, I'm pretty sure it was the first day that we went and shot. We pulled back up to your house and, you know, it was a whole caravan of women. So we're waiting for other people to show up. And I specifically remember, um, like, I was driving 
pretty sure it's either Tara Christie in the passenger seat, and then again, it would have been um, Gretchen and either Tara Christie in the back. But I remember like leaning over the center console of my car, and we were discussing, you know, the differences between 1.0 and 2.0, and just like how grateful we all were to be there, and like just how incredible the experience really is. And I specifically remember being like, you know, it's really, and I don't know, some people might think this is just super cheesy and super cliche, but I was like, you really just don't know what people are going through until you actually get to the chance to talk to them about it. I was like, you know, at 1.0, it was a pretty emotional camp. And I'm like, I walked in there, you know, not knowing what to expect. And then I met, you know, there was roughly what, 13, 15 of us there. I was like, all these literally beautiful, gorgeous, talented, amazing, strong women that all had seen some serious shit in their life, whether that was in the last couple months or over like the last decade. And again, you know, it might sound like cheesy and cliche, but I was like, you just like really don't know until you actually get a chance to talk about it with these people. And we got that chance with that incredible group of women. And I'm just like so fortunate that I got to be a part of it. It was so great to have you guys there. And like I said earlier, it just makes me incredibly happy to see your guys's relationship and know that you guys went home feeling like you have the support to go out and do things together. Like that's just, that's winning mm-hmm. to me, you know, to see that. And again, because so many of you have similar walks and you can relate on the highs and the lows. I think it just really allows for great relationships to form and, um, yeah, every camp is different. Every camp in the future will be different. And uh, yeah, it was just a pleasure to meet you guys. And, um, you know, Christy too is just somebody who I'm definitely going to have to have on the podcast. She's so much (laughs) fun. She's so much fun. Tara and Gretchen. Yeah, everybody is just so amazing. Um, But, you know, seeing your confidence, like I said, just spiral up um, has really made me happy. And I know that not everything is always as it seems, but it seems like you're in a pretty good place now. Um, And you should be. Walk us through your season this year and kind of how that's all unfolded. And I mean, again, just getting those connections and having like, I mean, not that like I didn't have people in my life, not like I don't have my family there for me, but especially having a very strong group of specifically women that are striving for the same things. It just really does change the game a little bit, you know, and it's not competition. Nope. None of them. Mm -hmm. Everyone was amazing. Mm -hmm. Love everybody that I met at camp this year, all three of them. Yep. I think that's one of the things commonly that women are afraid of because, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of maybe thinking about backing out or having second guesses, you know, in your decision to come and everyone does. I don't know that I've ever had a lady at camp and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I don't think I've ever had anybody there that wasn't scared shitless yeah. to come because you're walking into a group of women that can be really hard. And I think that it's pretty consistent that most of the women that come to camp could probably say at one point in, in their life or another, they're one of those girls that doesn't really get along with all the other mm-hmm. girls. And it's because we're strong you know, stubborn, (laughs) passionate women. And sometimes those things don't mesh well, but I've never seen a group that hasn't come together. That's just totally got, you know, gotten along. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get back into the show, have you had the chance to check out Baku e-bikes? If you're ready to add some fun to your hunts and make getting to and from your hunting spot a little faster and easier, go take a test ride on one of these electric bikes at the Baku headquarters in Ogden, Utah. 
Just be aware, your hunts are about to be a lot more fun. Use the code HEROUTDOORJOURNEY to save $300 at checkout. That's B-A-K-C-O-U dot com. So again, walk us through your season. How has that gone? Yeah, I was so fortunate to harvest my first bull elk this year. I mean, also, my this is ending my five-year um, no harvest span. I haven't harvested anything since 2017 um, back home. Uh, my first archery kill, my first kill in Oregon, my first heart, my first bull elk, which was just so crazy. Um, like still like telling people about it and like having those words come out of my mouth. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that it came together. So cool. Um, and so yeah, went to camp, grew all that confidence. Um, realized again, I mentioned earlier that my original bow that I went to the camps with, uh, maxed out at 40. And in fact, they had it, um, the archery shop over in Central Point that I go to, they had it turned all the way up that they could, and it still maxed out technically at like 39 point something. So after camp, um, I did all the shoots and I was like, okay, like if we're going to do this this year, like I either need to, and when we got the bow, we had already discussed like, hey, we'll either need to upgrade the bow or add, um, we can put heavier limbs on it. So we went to the shop and I was like, hey, like this is where I'm at. I'm ready to, um, you know, upgrade what, tell, be straight with me. Like, should I just get the limbs or should I upgrade the whole bow? And the guys were like, well, with the cost of upgrading your limbs and the cost of getting a new bow, like, are you really hoping to be serious for the next few decades? You should invest in a new bow. So we went ahead and did that. Um, and of course I did this just a couple, like literally two weeks before I'm getting ready to go to Alaska. And I'm like, also, is there any chance it can be done like in the next 10 days? <laughs> and they're like, um, probably not. I'm like, okay, well, shoot, because I'm about to leave for like the next three months. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, if my bow doesn't get done in time, then I just probably won't hunt this season. And that's okay. I'll just start up when I get back. Um, so I went to Alaska and did what I can working out, but I'm fishing and everything. And then came back and was able to go on the backpacking trip. And of course, my bow was ready by mid-July. And so came back to Oregon for the backpacking adventure, um, did some camping with Tyler. And then I took my bow back up to Alaska, got in contact with some good family friends that gave me some targets, um, and immediately got to work sighting in that bow. Um, and that was one of the other things that was really awesome was when I got to archery camp the first time, my bow was already sighted into 60. And I also had never moved any of those pins myself. So even though I was at archery camp, you know, they're like, well, the, you know, you're walking us through how to do it. I'm like, do I like purposely screw up my pins just so I can practice? So at archery 1.0 and 2.0, I didn't even get that practice. And I remember just feeling like, oh, I feel like I'm missing a big part of this just because one, I didn't get to do that. And it's just already there. So then I bring my bow up to Alaska and I had no other option than to apply the knowledge that I learned at camp into sighting in my bow completely by myself. I'm like, dad, where's your Allen wrenches? Like I need to, <laughs> I need to do this. So set it up, um, practice when I could, again, we're fishing. Um, the month of August, we were gone either on the boat or at least selling, I think like 20 to 22 days out of the month. So in between that time, um, I was shooting my bow back behind the wood pile, just trying to get it sighted in um, and was doing what I could, uh, hiking whenever I could. Um, 
And so, yeah, I felt like I prepared as best I could. And so I come back to Oregon um, and my boyfriend, he had actually harvested a bull in the same unit that we were going to go to. So he harvested a bull just a few days before I came home. And so I'm like, okay, here's another thing. Like maybe I'm just not meant to hunt because now we do have meat in the freezer. Um, I haven't been able to be in Oregon. So part of me was like, I don't know, like I did what I could, but I haven't even been able to have feet on the ground. Uh, so I get back, go straight into, I literally landed, I got home at like 1130 PM and at 8am the next day, go straight into taking care of his bowl. (laughs) So we do that. Um, I start school the next Monday. Um, and then it's the last weekend of the season and, uh, Tyler, he's a fireman. So we're like, okay, he gets off Friday of the last Friday of season. Uh, At 7 a.m., his brother and dad had already went up to that same unit that he had harvested his bull out of. And we're like, okay, like if anything else, I I also didn't even have a tag at this point because I'm like, I have literally two days to hunt at this point. So we, um, it's like 9 a.m. We're like, okay, at the very least, we're going to go up and be pack meals. Like I'm so excited just for that much of the excitement and the adventure and being included in that part of it all. So he gets off shift. We're doing a couple last minute things and they call us. It's like nine o'clock and they're like, uh, your brother just got one. And they're like, there are, they're like, they're talking like they're loud. You guys need to get up here. One to help two, we need ice and three. Um, she needs to buy a tag. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, what? Like, okay, you know what? Let's do it at the very least. Um, I'm paying for a damn good experience. Like I was still just like the odds that me got getting one since they just got one on the ground. I felt like we're not in the cards. So we're on our way up. Um, and we get up there probably about noon or so to where we're going. So they gave us like a rundown of what happened with his bull. Um, and we're just like, okay, I put my broadheads on, take a few shots at the target, make sure I'm on. And we're like, okay, like let's go do this, I guess. Um, And going into it, I had given myself a couple um, kind of parameters I had to stay in. I was like, okay, for one, I need a completely clean shot. Um, I was like, I know nothing's in my way. I want a perfectly clean shot. And two, even though I had got my new bow sighted in up to 50, um, I was like, I don't want to shoot anything over 40. Like that's just, I'm putting a limit on myself. It needs to be a clean shot within 40 yards. So we go out that Friday afternoon um, and nothing's talking. They're just, they've gone quiet for the day. And later on, we've kind of come to find out that the bulls up in that area would talk early in the day. And then by like 11 o'clock would, for the most part, go quiet. So the rest of Friday, we just kind of drove around kind of getting an idea of the area. They gave us a rundown of where he had shot his bull um, and kind of like the locates of that they had gotten. And so we go back to camp, you know do all the camp stuff. Um, and then next morning, get up early. And we actually went to a different side of kind of this general area that we were in, uh, did a hike, didn't show anything. Um, so we come back to camp, have lunch, and then we decide to go back into the general area that they were in yesterday. And so that area had, um, there was kind of like a main road and then just like lots of little old skid roads that were like on like little benches and stuff that were really grown over. So we were just checking, you know, like different benches, um, 
the first day we had done a big hike. And so we were doing some smaller hikes this day, just trying to get some locates. And they weren't really talking at all on Saturday. Um, and then finally, we went into this one spot that kind of had seemed promising the night before. And it was just me and Tyler. Um, the rest of our party was kind of off doing their own thing as well. And we get into this area and Tyler is, he let out a couple bugles and then all of a sudden something answered. And we're just like, oh my gosh, like this, this is actually going to happen. And then he answered again and we're like, okay, this guy's actually interested. And so um, we're in this little area and he's like, okay, I'm going to come back. He's like, I need you to make sure you range all of this and get ready. And I'm just still like, okay, like this is real. Like I need to get my shit together right now. And so I literally just told myself like, you need to calm down. This is totally fine. Um, and I was like, if I get a opportunity, like just be steady and confident and clean. And so we wait and he's going back and forth a little bit with this bull. And then all of a sudden he just, and this is probably like 30, 45 minutes of him going back and forth. It sounds like he's coming in. And then all of a sudden he just goes quiet. He's just not interested. And I'm like, hmm, like what the heck? And so we waited for a little while longer. And then I'm like, this guy just doesn't really want to play anymore, I guess. So we start hiking up um, from the original bench that we we're on into kind of a, just a more big open area. And um, we're just like looking around. We're kind of following a trail or a game trail. And then we get to a point where he's like, okay, it's been a little while. Let's try to. He's going to let out a couple bugles again. And he lets out one, nothing happens. And then I think it was like two or three more. And then we get an answer again. And we're like, okay, this is, this is going to happen again. So we get ready. Um, and it was fairly like, it was big timber, but it wasn't super, um, ferny where we were in this area, which was nice. So I get up behind this really big stump. Um, and I, I range out, you know, what my trees are within 40 yards, 30 yards, 20, just to kind of get an idea. And all of a sudden I turn around and Tyler's just gone. He like creeped back into the trees behind me. He's raking like crazy. He's making noises. And I'm just like, okay, like I'm on my own. I need to apply wh what knowledge I have at this point. Um, and about 70 yards out in front of me was like a little hill. Um, and there was a small, very, very small creek in front of it. And we knew that not far on the other side of that hill was this big draw drainage that we knew that they were probably going to be working up and into. So that's why we we're in this, these benches in the first place. So I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. And this bull is screaming. That's if you've never experienced a bu bull bugling back at you, it is just wild. Like that alone, I was like, this is cool. Like you can feel your heart, your heart and your throat. Yeah. <laughs> And then finally, all of a sudden, I see an animal. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God. Like, it's getting more and more real at every moment. So he's coming in on that hill that's probably about 70 yards away. And he's broadside to me, which I'm like, okay, that's too far away, but he's going to work his way in. So he gets kind of to the bottom of that hill right in front of the little creek. And he's behind, like, three great big um, trees. So I can tell that he's a bull. I can tell that he's... He's not huge by any means. He's either a little raghorn or a little satellite bull. It's kind of hard for me to tell just from where he is. Um, but he's kind of hiding out behind those trees. And on the left side of the stump I'm standing behind, I can see him. But when I go onto the right side, I don't have eyes just because of the small little 
slope of the train in front of me, but he's up there raking a tree. And so I'm like, okay. And I remember, I specifically remember you being like, okay, can bulls see when they're raking? Like, try to like shake your head around. Can you see the world? Right. And so I'm like waiting and I'm like, okay, he's raking like any moment. I just need to start like creeping in on him. Cause we're, I'd watched him rake for a while now. Um, and it, like, it was one of those things I'm like, okay, five more seconds. And I'm going to start creeping. Okay. Five more seconds. I'm going to do it. five more seconds. And then again, I waited long enough that finally he just like lost interest. And he quite literally just kind of stood up and put his head down and started walking up this hill. And I'm like, okay, this is like, this is my chance. So I immediately, I get nice and low. Um, and I just start like as quietly and swiftly and quickly as I can, I'm following him. And he disappears over the top of that hill. Um, but I get up to that Creek and I can see where he was breaking and I'm like, okay, he's up here. And I turn back around and Tyler is not following me. So once again, I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I'm on my own here. <laughs> so I am like, okay, I like kind of watched where he was going. And I saw that he went up to the hill and kind of to the left and up at the top of the hill was a big bed of ferns and a giant rock. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to kind of hang a right. And then hopefully I'll be, um, guarded behind that rock. And then maybe eventually he'll show either interest again or something. So I make my way up this hill and I do, I kind of hang a little right. And there's like this giant boulder and a bed of ferns. And so I kind of wait there and I can hear, I didn't really know at the time quite how far away that draw was. Um, and I can hear like rustling and movement. I'm like, okay, maybe he already went over this hill and is already down in the bottom. So I waited for a moment, just thinking like, okay, I'm in the perfect position that if he shows interest again and wants to go check Tyler out, I have a perfect broadside shot at him at like, gosh, like 20 feet or something crazy. Um, so I'm waiting, 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 and I can hear something down in the creek. I'm like, you know what? He must have just went down there to get some real water. He's uninterested in us. So I'm like, I'm going to come around the left side of this rock and hopefully I'll just be right on top and maybe I'll have a clear shot down into this draw. Um, so I'm, and I have an arrow knocked at this point already I had. And so I start creeping around that boulder. And again, there's that big bed of ferns. And then all of a sudden I get around the boulder and like 20 feet in front of me, he has his head down eating. And I quite literally go, oh shit. <laughs> and drop to my knees onto the ground. And then he's like, what's going on? And so, and I don't even know how I did it, but like in one movement, I dropped to my knees and I'm immediately at full draw. And all that's between me and this massive animal is like a bed of ferns and about 20 feet of space. And the ferns over there were tall enough that, I mean, when walking through, I'm not necessarily a small girl. I'm 5'7", and they're like up to my neck in places. Um, so all I can see is his ears and his antlers above this bed of ferns. And so I have my pin like on his, what I'm assuming is his chest. But I'm like, this isn't clean. Like, even though he's right there, this is not a clean shot. And so I sit there at full draw for what felt like an eternity, just waiting. And I'm just like, please just step like, all you have to do is step like two paces towards me. And hopefully your chest will be clean. And finally, it gets to a point where I've been at full draw long enough. I'm like, okay, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I cannot do this any longer. And so I tried to just very very slowly like lift my butt up off of my heels and that like one inch of movement spooked him and he busted and at that point I didn't know that Tyler was, had creeped up he's probably within like 40 50 yards of me down at the bottom of the hill 
And he goes, oh, did you shoot? Did you shoot? And I'm like turning around, like, be quiet, like no shot, like no. And then oh um, no, I can hear what sounded like the bull. He went down, but then he sounded like he went up into the right. And so I'm kind of like looking. I'm like, come here. Like, there's something down here, though. Like, he went this way. And then what I came to find out was that the draw was right there and the herd was down making all that noise down in the creek. And I see like a big old herd bull and like initially like 12 to 15 cows and they're just slowly making their way out. And again, these animals are like 40 to 50 yards away. And then um, there was more cows running down that he must have spooked down off of the hill. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this experience is just getting better and better. Like, even though he busted, like, I am like so close to entire herd of elk that have no idea I'm even here. Like they seemed totally like they were moving out of there, but they seemed ultimately like unfazed by him. Um, and I'm just like, Oh my God, like this is wild stuff right now. Um, and so Tyler catches up to me and I'm like, the herd is right there. I was like, and there's a bigger bull there. And so we kind of made a game plan where like, they're making their way down the draw. They're going to go down at, at the bottom of all these benches was a big private field. Um, so we're like, they're going to be making their way down there, but maybe that other bullet sounded like he went up. So we walk out of there and we go up into a bench that we saw above there. Um, and once again, he lets out a bugle just to see if anything's interested in it. And it sounded like we had another elk calling or the same elk. So we're like, okay, maybe he like kind of forgot. He's cool. Um, he talks, he exchanges like just a couple bugles with this one. And then once again, they quiet down. And so that whole spot and stock area, um, adventure was like an hour long thing. So at this point, um, it's like five 30 and all of a sudden they quit talking again. And we're like, you know what? Like, let's just put them to bed here. We know that they're in this area. Um, let's put them to bed. Let's go back to camp and just get an early start tomorrow. Cause tomorrow's the last day. Like, and even if, and we were also like, we're at camp and we're like, you know what? Like tomorrow's the last day. I was like, I am so, I was like, this has been a good enough experience already for me. I was like, I'm getting to be here for one. I was like, I got to do that incredible spot and stock, which I'm still just like, cannot believe I was so close to a wild animal. I was like, I was able to keep my cool, which I was super happy about. I stayed true to like the parameters I set for myself as like this has already been a big win and going into tomorrow um I was like if we don't have something down or with something by noon we're just gonna head home like I just started school I was already a little bit behind because of butchering Tyler's elk and then going out um and we're like we just have a big week 12 o'clock is our time tomorrow let's get started in the morning um so we go back to camp, we set our rules, get up the next morning, um, and we decided to actually go, I don't remember why, but we go to a completely different spot, completely different spot, first thing in the morning, and nothing's happening out there, and we're kind of at the point where we're like, you know what, this has been a good weekend, like, Tyler's letting me rip some really crappy bugles, just trying to see <laughs> what I can do. Um, we were playing with like some functions on my camera just to see, um, how things were working. We're just having like a good time. Like we, I was just really relishing just the time that we were getting to spend together out there. And again, like the day before was so amazing and I was already so satisfied. I was like, you know what? Like if this is how elk season goes, this is how elk season goes. So, um, on our way back from that, it's like, 
gosh, it's like 11 o'clock. And we're like, you know what? Let's go in there one more time. So we go in there and we, at this point we met up with his dad. The rest of our hunting party had left because they wanted to get the other bull home. Um, and so him, me, Tyler, and his dad go into a bench a little bit lower than where I had spot and stalked the day before. And we get in there and uh, Tyler lets out a couple bugles because he had, again, he had already harvested. So it was going to be me and his dad's opportunity if one presented itself. And at first nothing talked. And then all of a sudden something lights up and we're like, okay, like something might actually happen still. Uh, so my, or his dad and I go and we get in different directions. We kind of fan out. Um, just to, we're like, we're not sure like where this guy's going to come in. Um, and Tyler is back there and he's doing his thing. The bull answers a few more times and then once again goes quiet. And this is like 20 or 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden just nothing, absolutely nothing. Totally uninterested. We wait a little bit longer and we're just like, it's kind of getting to that time where they like are getting uninterested. And these bulls just seem to like, they kind of play and then they kind of like, Mm, nah like are they have they read it already have they not like are they just content because we know that this guy has a pretty big herd I don't know um so we waited and then finally we kind of like kind of creep out and you know we kind of like look around at each other and we're like okay like that it's time like our time is up so we kind of meet up um and we're starting to hike out and uh <clears throat> it was really crazy so we're hiking out and I brought my camera. I wanted to document some stuff that I could. And so on our walk out, I was like, okay, I want one good photo for your mom. So like you both need to stand together and smile. Um, and quite literally, I snapped the photo, the shutter goes off and all of a sudden we hear a bugle and we're just like, it's like panic city. Cause we all look <laughs> at each other. Like, was that real? And then we hear it again and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. Second wind Rico, like it's go time again. Yeah. So we go back into position. And once again, Tyler's doing all the calling um, and we get back into position and then he shuts back up and we're like, okay, like, are, are you wanting to do this or not? Like guy, like what's going on? So we waited again for a while um, and then just same thing. Nothing's going on. So we come back out the second time and we're like, okay, for real time to go back, pack up. Um, and Tyler, it was really crazy. So we're like, okay, like it's done. Um, but before we leave, his dad is like, well, let me just, you know, this is quite literally for shits and giggles because um, his dad can call, but not as well as Tyler. <laughs> and he lets off a bugle. And then all of a sudden we hear this guy answer. And we're like, okay, the, what's going on is that Tyler's bugle sounds more aggressive and like scary to this bull but something about you he's wanting to work with and I was like sorry but like you got a call and I have to go post up and so we get down into position um Tyler's dad takes the call and this bull is loving it he is like ready to come <laughs> get dirty so we Tyler and I we go out in front and there's like great big um like redwoods and spruces out there so we get down, we kind of locate where he's coming in. We get down into this trail and we can see their frequently walked trail and we post up in front of this giant tree. And so this time it was nice that Tyler was able to be right there with me. So he has the range finder. I'm right in front of him, like three feet. And within just a couple minutes, um, this bull starts walking in. 
So, and he's in, Tyler's able to range him for me. He ranges him, I think. And it was crazy because I didn't realize he had the phone out and he's videoing the whole time. So he's able to be like, okay, 48, okay, 33. He's like, and then he stopped in his tracks right at 30. And he was kind of listening. He's like, he's right at 30, like put it in him. And so I put my pin on him and I quite literally, I, um, I was like, let this just please be like swift and clean. Let this be strong. Let my nerves be calm. And I let it fly and it hit him. And he was just like, you got him. Like you got him. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And so he, he busts off and he's just like, you got him. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I actually just, did. <laughs> I just pulled the trigger on that. So we kind of wait. Um, and they're like, well, you want to wait a little bit, but let's cause out in front, um, it was probably again, like 70 or 80 yards out in front. He busted. And then it was like a downhill. So I was like, well, let's just like, kind of see, let's make sure that there's blood. I was like, and I knew I hit him right in the chest, but I'm like, I want to see blood. So I get up there and there's blood and I'm just like, then it just becomes way more real for me. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like now what? Well, now what happens is we track this bull, um, for three hours <laughs> up and down all around tracking him um we lose blood at one point and that was just that was just crazy it was tracking him was so I don't even know how to like put it into words it was something I've never had to do before but it was just so it's just crazy like how hyper-focused you can be on like a situation Mm. Um, so we track this bull, um, and he takes us all over the place. And it was something that, um, like I said, we lost blood at one point. And even throughout the process, this was the hardest part for me was just because knowing that it took so long, um, was, I remember there was several times throughout it. And I was just like, please, like quite literally praying to God, like, I am not tired. I'm ready. I will be out here all night if I have to. I don't have to be back to school until Tuesday, technically. Like, I will track this thing for the next two days if I have to. But please just let him be done at this point. Like, can he just be down wherever he is and be peaceful? Um, That was the hardest part for me, just, like, wanting it to be as ethical as possible. Sure. So as time's passing by, I'm like, God, I hope that he's just, I hope that he's just down and I'm just being really slow. Um, and during that tracking time, he actually took us through exactly where we were the night before, which was really crazy. Um, and so that's where I was like, this came full circle. I don't know if this is the same bowl or not, but we are quite literally walking the exact steps that I stopped this guy yesterday up to the exact same rock, except we go right instead of left. Um, and then finally we get up to him and we got to this spot and it was I know one of the things was there was different times like I would lead and Tyler would lead, but I was like, I want to be able to, I want to try to do this as much as I can, like just that I'm learning. Sure. And so mm-hmm. I'm in front and all of a sudden we get up to him and he's just like, babe, I think that's your bowl like right there. And I'm just like, I remember I walking up to him and I wasn't like, I didn't like scream. I didn't like get super excited. I was just like, so I was very just like satisfied with it finally being done and just like 
overwhelmed with everything that just happened. Like it was just like the final step in it all. Um, And I remember just like walking up and being like, wow, these guys are one very big, even for him being like a small bull. (laughs) Um, But they're just like, he was so just like beautiful. And and just immediately, I remember I walked up to him and I just kind of knelt over and I was just like, just like soaking it all in. And I'm just like, wow. Like, I just can't believe that this all came together Um, and just was so like overwhelmed with just like respect and like humbled by the whole experience. So cool. So cool. What a journey. What a roller coaster of emotions. And it's kind of neat, too, because it seems like there were several opportunities just for growth and learning, which is which is great, you know. Um, what were your biggest takeaways and like lessons learned through that experience? Yeah. Um, gosh, I know, I mean, like I said, this was like ending, you know, a few years of like not being able to harvest an animal on my own. So, so many different things I learned. I mean, one, just tracking, I'd never had to actually track an animal before, which was so, which was a learning experience and then being able to apply it and like knowing that even though I have so much to learn, I was able to apply the knowledge I did have, like even of just, okay, staying still when he's looking, okay, like he's raking, like let's try to move, even though I never capitalized on that originally. Um, And then also just like the discipline. I think that was the biggest part was like, I set those very stringent parameters on myself and I stayed true to them because I didn't want to be taking any risks. And that's one thing that I'm still just very like, it's our due diligence as hunters to try to make the most ethical and, you know, moral choices we can out there. Right. Um, that starts from being prepared to the actual, you know, conscious decision to pull that trigger and then all mm-hmm. the aftercare. So I know that was one thing that really just solidified it for me was um some of my beliefs and like the things that I need to learn but also the things I'm definitely going to keep true and try to pass on and share with other people yeah no you make a really good point and I think that's something that every hunter has to decide for themselves since certainly the situation you know the weapon of choice Mm -hmm. um there could be so many factors but you have to have really hard and fast rules for yourself have those moral and ethical parameters in order to be able to go out there and make good decisions in high stress environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know like, it's, that first night, you know, I was within 20 feet of that guy and it's like, all that was between us were some ferns. Like, could that arrow have passed through? Maybe like there's some people are probably like, why wouldn't you do that? And I'm like, you know what? I was completely content though in my decision that moment. Sure. And absolutely. I, I was like, I still would do the same thing. I was like, I still wouldn't have taken it. I don't think I, and then the way it unfolded, especially, you know, when we tracked him through, I was like, I think every part of it was just meant to happen the way it did. Definitely. Definitely. Such a cool story. I'm so glad that it worked out for you. This is the first of many, I'm sure in your successes in the field, but just the fact that you know, everything from coming to camp and really just like kind of going like, okay, I'm going to put the bow in my hand again. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to upgrade my bow. I'm going to, 
you know, put in the work and shoot the reps and, you know, adjust it myself and side it in. Like that's so freaking cool to be able to do that. And it doesn't take away from somebody who's not siding in their own bow, mm -hmm. but to be able to do it from start to finish, not that you didn't have help in some areas, but you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can go out and do the thing now, yeah. you know, and you learn so much and, and you have such a great success that damn, like, hello, <laughs> building your confidence. Yeah. And, and it's still like telling that story just now. I'm like, like being able and that's one of the things like it's just I just don't know if you can compare it to that many things like mm -hmm. especially that first you know that first spot in stock on Saturday I was like as much as I wish Tyler was there to like recount the entire thing because that's the thing he was head down raking a yeah. tree right in no man's land mm -hmm. and so I'm like we can't even like share that part of the story together but I'm like, it is burned so deeply into my memory. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, it's just, it's wild. Like getting to do that stuff. It's just wild. And it's so special. And it's so being able to be there and do it is a confidence boost in itself. Yeah. So cool. I'm soaking up every word that you just said right now, because yeah, there's so many times that you just wish you could reach back in your pocket and feel that confidence again, you know, to feel that, that glory moment where you're like, I put in the hard work and it came together, you know, and it doesn't always. And I think, I think it's the moments where it doesn't come together that you can also build your confidence because you can learn so much. And that's one of the things that I like so much about hunting is there's never like this perfecting the skill or the, or the, the sport or the, you know, method or anything there's always so much room to learn and grow. Absolutely. And that's such a great part of hunting. And there's such a good community in it too. Like in any community, there's going to be the people that kind of, eh, kind of lame, you know, whether they're, you know, think they have really big pants on or they just are lame people. But especially <laughs> after this, I remember um, I was talking to just different friends and I was like, gosh, part of me, you know, I was gone for part of the summer and I was like, I was like, part of me doesn't feel like I should share because I was like, I almost don't feel deserving. They're like, do not feel that way at all. They're like, we are so yeah. like happy for you. And like, we are definitely a community. And like, I know that's one thing. I feel like there was quite a bit of success across the board, you know, for different women that like I met at camp, especially this year, mm -hmm. whether it's their own success oh, or yeah. like, their partners. And that's the thing is they don't care. Like, they're like, no, we're happy our partner did it. And we got to be a part of it. We're happy that you did it. And that like, we were part of your journey to get there too. And I remember like, when I got my bowl, I thought of um, a girl specifically that I knew was going to be going out. And I was like, Oh, my God, I hope she's getting this experience right now, too. And then I remember like telling yeah. her that I was like, did you get one? Like, do we get to ride this high together right now? And like, no, but I'm so happy for you. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. My first thought was that I was hoping that you had something on your back. Like, so. You know, you're in a good spot when you can be surrounded by people who will celebrate you authentically. Yes. That's a good place to be. Yeah. That's a good place to be. Well, where can people uh, jump on social and find you, reach out, hear more about your story and your journey? Yeah. Um, Instagram's really the only place. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but not really active at all. Um, so Instagram's the place and you can find me. It's at Paisley W. So that's P-A-I-S-L-E-Y-W and then underscore Paisley W underscore. <laughs> 
Perfect. Got to get all the things in there. Well, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story with me. It's just great to see you so happy that smile on your face when you're talking about that. I could feel the excitement. So cool. Can't wait until we're on this podcast again next year talking about another success. Um, Wish you all the luck in and out of the field. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and uh, we'll be chatting soon for sure. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.